We talk a lot on this podcast about chess improvement, but when it comes to improving your hiring processes, Indeed is the platform you need. Indeed has over 350 million global monthly visitors, and it has a matching engine that helps you find quality work candidates fast. You can use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with your candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Years ago, when I was running a chess teaching business, I found it hard to find good help, and I had to go through a lot of back and forth to even screen potential candidates. Indeed allows you to do those things efficiently in one place. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed for hiring, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of Perpetual Chess will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility if you go to Indeed.com slash chess. Just go to Indeed.com slash chess right now, and you'll be supporting our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast, Indeed.com slash chess. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, everyone. I am Ben Johnson, and this is the Perpetual Chess Podcast. Perpetual Chess is a weekly chess interview show with accomplished chess players, authors, personalities, and adult improvers where they discuss their lives, their careers, and share tips about how to improve at chess. For more information, go to perpetualchesspod.com. So without further ado, let's get to the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Perpetual Chess. We have what I hope for some of you is a much-anticipated podcast uh, about to commence here. But before we introduce our guest co-host slash guest and uh, get down to business, I did want to just make a few uh, quick housekeeping-type announcements. Number one, I hope a lot of you heard and enjoyed the interview with legendary former world champion Vladimir Kramnik in episode 237. It was a real thrill for me, and I was really happy, really interested in all the things that he had to say. I felt like he had some great insights that were even applicable to adult improvement. But, of course, I do apologize for the audio issues. I've tried in recent uh, episodes in the past months to years to, to be increasingly vigilant about making sure that guests have microphones. But, you know, when you're dealing with someone the stature of uh, GM Kramnik, sometimes you have to uh, take what you can get. So I'm sorry if a few people had trouble understanding what he was saying. 
Um, but it's well worth going through what he said. And the good news is that friend of the pod, Stephen Sparks, has made a transcript of the podcast. So for anyone who maybe didn't catch the interview or didn't feel like they completely understood it, to find the transcript, the easiest way is just to go to the episode, episode 237. And there's a link for a Google Doc with the transcript right there in the show notes. So I just wanted to make sure that as many people as possible are able to uh appreciate all the wisdom that Grandmaster Kramnik shared. Uh, the other thing I wanted to do, which was is something that I hope I don't do too often. Uh, Neil, even before we introduce you, I'm going to ask, do I, do I show for the Patreon page too often? What do you think? No, go for it. Okay. So thank you. Correct answer, Neil. Yeah, I, I try not to show for it too often, but because there have been a couple changes, I did want to just let you guys know. Um, so the Patreon page is, of course, a way to directly support the podcast, and there are different tiers based on how much money you give per month. It's proverbial. It's the proverbial cup of coffee or two in any event that we're talking about. Not a lot of money for some people, although I know that money can be tight for others. And if it is, obviously, continue to listen for free. Um, but I did just want you all to know that uh, the Bishop tier, which is $3.50 per month, at least in US dollars, now we're doing special events with Grandmaster Lectures. So my coach, Grandmaster Axel Bachman, gave a lecture a couple months back uh, where he talked about how he learned by going through games. And we do these on Zoom. It tends to be smallish groups. So there's time for Q&A and asking questions. And then for people who can't attend the lecture, the archive is made available to people in that tier. So I just wanted to make sure people knew about that new offering that we're trying to do about eight times per year. And then at the $5 a month tier, uh, a lot of you may have noticed there's there's more ads lately. Perpetual Chess uh, joined a network called the Blue Wire Podcast Network, which is like a big sports network. And I was honored when they reached out to me. And it's been a huge boon to sort of the viability of the podcast. So I'm, I'm really happy about that. But I know not everyone enjoys hearing ads all the time. So anyone in the Rook tier, in addition to getting the other perks, such as the lectures and sending in questions and stuff like that, they also have access to a private feed uh, where there's no ads that you can listen to on Apple Podcasts and most podcast apps, although uh, full disclosure, not Spotify yet, just due to the, like, the technical issues that are over my head. Um, so with all of that shameless shilling out of the way, let's get down to business. So what this week's episode is about is it's a special edition. Our guest co-host, Neil Bruce, is someone I hope that a lot of you are familiar with. Um, Neil is a friend of the show, longtime friend of the show, who's built a big following on uh, chess Twitter because he's just a really hardworking adult improver. Uh, you may have heard Neil on book recap number six, The Woodpecker Method. That was Neil's idea to cover that book, and that's been one of the most popular uh, book recap podcasts in perpetual chess history. He also joined me for book recap number 11, Winning Chess Strategies. He was a guest on How to Chess, my collaboration podcast with Chessable that you guys should all be subscribed to on a separate feed. And that one, Neil gave some guidelines for people playing their first tournament or maybe their first tournament back in a long time. And Neil is the rare person who played his, made his entry into tournament chess over the age of 40 and has kids, has a successful career away from the board, but still works seemingly harder than anyone on his chess. And one last plug for, for even more background uh, on Neil, um, because I've actually, despite uh, my friendliness with Neil and the fact that we've collaborated on these podcasts, uh, 
we never did a proper adult improver interview. And when I reached out to Neil about doing one, um, he had recently done one, one with uh, Chess Dojo, our friends at Chess Dojo. That's Dojo Talks episode 24. So if you want more background info on just Neil's adult improvement journey and sort of how he thinks about uh, studying chess, um, then you can listen to that dojo because this one is going to be recapping six books. Um, I also have to mention that I call Neil the habit grandmaster um, because he's a big, big proponent of the book Atomic Habits um, by James Clear. Uh, got me to read it and I also enjoyed it. And he, you know, he embodies it as he talks a lot about in the Dojo Talks thing, um, the Dojo Talks podcast. And last but not least, he is popular on chess Twitter, not just for his work ethic, but he founded a group of uh, improvers that kind of try to support each other there that call themselves the, the chess punks. So I think the first line on Neil's epitaph is going to read the founder of the chess punks movement with all apologies to his career and his family, but we got priorities here. So with that long winded introduction out of the way, let's go ahead and greet Neil. Neil, thank you for doing this. Thank you so much, Ben. I'm very happy to be with you again. Just a little background on me. I am 52 years old. I live outside of Boston. As Ben mentioned, I'm the chief product officer at a software startup during the day. Uh, my last USCF rating was in the 1700s pre-COVID. I'm looking forward to getting back into tournament chess once my club opens back up. And as, as Ben mentioned, I'm, I'm five and a half years into a 10-year plan to what I call mastering chess basics. I'm in the middle of a the three-year period of chess strategy, and I invested six months of those three years, the last six months, working through these six Bond books, about one book a month. And I'm super excited to talk to you about the, uh, the you know, value of studying Pawn books, uh, give you my perspective of which of these are worth reading and which ones you can pass on and the order in which you should read them. Yeah, just an amazing undertaking. And guys, Neil is doing this free of charge despite his busy life. He spearheaded this initiative. I'm just along for the ride. Uh, hopefully regular listeners know that I generally do the work. I try to read a, at least one book of anyone I'm going to interview. Obviously, I read the books for these book recaps. But Neil outdid me on this one with uh, with six books and 1,900 pages that he's covering in six months. Uh, the fact that I, I have other interviews that I'm always preparing for and other book recaps. I've got one on my system that I'm recording soon. Uh, as a matter of fact, with uh, I am Christoph Zalecki. So for this one, I couldn't keep up. And I'm going to what I did was I read the first chapter of every book. And one of the books that we're discussing, chess, structure, chess structures, excuse me, I had already read in full. Um, so I've got some experience with these six books, but Neil is going to be kind of uh, the the leader, and I'm going to be just kind of providing background and a few observations, um, except for the books where I, I read them more in full. But I'm super excited for this, and I know that the uh, or hope that a lot of you are as well. We we really want to. We know that time is the most precious resource, so we want to really give some guidance for those of you who are into chess books, what the best ones might be for a sort of club-level player to sort of learn pawn play, which of course is uh, closely tied to positional chess, which can be kind of um, a more challenging thing to learn than just like drilling tactics are their own challenge, but at least you know what to do. Whereas with something like pawns, uh, it can be a bit trickier. Um, so should we reveal the six books, Neil? What do you think? Go for it. Yeah. Okay. So the six books are, and uh, we should say, we're, we're going to reveal information um, slowly in terms of this is kind of like a contest. So Neil's eventually going to uh, 
reveal what he what he believes to be the best book um, overall. And also for different ratings, we'll be giving rating guides for the books as we get into them. Um, a little bit about the author, as you guys are used to, and stuff like that. But the six books are two by Sam Shanklin, um, Small Steps to Giant Improvement and Small Steps to Success, uh, both books about pawns. Uh, Mauricio Flores Ruiz's uh, Chess Structures. Um, Andy Soltis's book, uh, forgive me if I get these titles wrong, Neil, um, Pawn Structure... Chess, yeah. Pawn Structure Chess, thank you. Um, Hans Kamak, Pawn Power, and uh, Pawn... What's the one by... Uh, Hick Hickel's book is The Power of Pawns. Hickel's book, The Power of Pawns, sorry. And I, I do have more familiarity than my stumbling over the titles might suggest. But anyway, so we're going to dig into those six books. But before we do that, just a bit more sort of um, big picture uh, talk, because... Um, Neil obviously is, you know, he listens to perpetual chess fairly often and very well read on the topic of chess improvement. Uh, so Neil's familiar with the arguments that say players below a certain level should only study tactics. So Neil, having heard arguments such as that, why did you decide that you felt you should read these six pawn books and share what you learn and share some advice about what to read to listeners? Sure. I, I definitely think that pawn um, books are useful. I will back up and say that I think tactics are also really important. And I spent four years pretty much exclusively working through tactics. You know, I created 8,000 flashcards. I cycled through all 8,000 of those several times. And I think tactics are important. What I found for myself was I was just getting lost in the middle game. I had no idea what to do. Tactics do not give you guideposts for middle game strategy. So after those four years, I decided I need to spend some time on strategy. I thought it might be only a year. It ends up that I'm going to end up spending three years because it's, it's such a big topic. And a subcategory of strategy, in my opinion, is, is pawn play. And as we were preparing for this podcast, I put some questions out to Twitter and people asked me to talk about what are the concrete ways in which my game has improved in the last six months from these books. And I've come up with four concrete methods and where I have gotten better. And I'll talk through those first and then some general improvements I've also seen. So first, as far as concrete play, I struggled to coordinate uh, how pawns and pieces should work together. And I recently done much better in my games of knowing when to make pawn moves in order to make room for my pieces to get to better squares. So my coordination between my pawns and my pieces have absolutely improved. Uh, there were moves I've made with pawns in the last six months that I wouldn't even consider candy moves in the past. Second, uh, I, I never used to sacrifice pawns. I was very materialistic. The only time I would ever make any kind of sacrifice was for a king attack. And what I've learned is there are absolutely times you want to sacrifice pawns to make room for rooks and bishops. And so that's number two. Third, use of space was something that I really wasn't very good at. And I've posted several games on Twitter that I've won by just people giving me space and me eating up that space and ultimately crushing people because they don't have enough room for their pieces. And then finally, and this really was driven home by Sham, Sam Shanklin's second book, Small Steps to Success, Two connected pass pawns are often worth sacrificing a piece once they get towards like the fourth, fifth, sixth rank. And so those are four ways in which I've actually played better chess. I've seen it in my games. Three general 
areas of improvement. One, I I feel so much more confident playing middle games than I was before studying strategy in general and pawns in particular. And what I've learned, particularly at my level, is a bad plan is better than no plan. Having an idea of what to do and where to play. Pawns play a role in outlining the terrain of a chess battlefield and they help you know should i play king side queen side center of the board all that's usually dictated by the pawn structure so my plans while not always perfect or at least i have one secondly in general improvement uh, i have a much better understanding of the concept of weak and strong squares weak and strong squares are often weak or strong because of the pawn structures and so it really reinforced that concept which was harder initially for me to grasp. And then thirdly, I'm convinced that pawn structures and tactics are the best prerequisite for deep opening theory study. And so I'm I'm really glad that I put six months into pawn study before going into deep opening theory because pawns and tactics give you the whys behind opening theory, in my opinion. And so it's a great foundation for future work. Yeah, excellent points there, Neil. And something I'll add is just obviously, like Neil said, I'm also a proponent of doing tactics. Um, But the main thing is um, no one really knows what the perfect chess improvement recipe is. Um, But one thing that I have noticed is is common is the feeling that Neil describes of just feeling lost in a position. Um, it, It happens to me you know, being like a 2100 player, but I think it happens the the lower you go, the more common it is. So whether tactics are the the perfect sort or sort of the most optimal air quotes, growth hack, study hack or not, the bottom line is you, you want to feel like you're in control when you're playing. And I think books like this and the other books that Neil's talked about, of course, uh, he's a big advocate of winning chess strategies as kind of like a first positional primer. As I've read more of these books, I'm actually, I like that book, but I put Simple Chess on an even higher pedestal, which uh, Neil recommends as a second book. And Neil, correct me if I'm wrong, but you look at this these next six books and we'll be talking about which ones to actually read and some of them you maybe shouldn't read, but they're kind of for after those books if you're inclined to improve your pawn play and positional play. Is that is that your thinking as well, Neil? Exactly. So lots of people when I was preparing for this were, were wanted advice on when is it right to start studying pawns. And personally, I don't hardly know anyone under 2000 that was putting much effort into pawns. And I decided, well, if I'm going to study strategy, and if I'm not going to be so clueless in the middle game, Pawns are fundamental to middle games. And so I decided to go down this road. I am so glad I did. Some of the books that we're going to talk about are totally accessible for people who have a grounding in basic tactics and general strategy. So if you've read Simple Chess, if you've read any of the Silman books, if you've read Winning Chess Strategies, then you're ready for at least the first of the six pawn books that we're going to recommend. And think of it as a, a deeper level of strategy. Every strategy, general strategy book will give you a chapter on pawns, but a whole book on pawns is just going to take you to another level. And I'm telling you, you are going to handle pawns much better than your peers after you start reading these books. So from a from a rating perspective, I would say some people really have tactics and general strategy down even as low as 1200. Some people don't have it down till they're 2000. So I can't really say exactly what rating you should be at, but if you've got some good understanding of basic tactics and some general strategy books under your belt, 
you're ready for some pawn books. Yeah. And one other thing I'll add about the the rating guideline is that's gotten harder than ever, obviously, with online ratings being all over the place. And uh, OTB ratings haven't kind of been like, uh, you know, shaken up and thrown against the wall in the, in the midst of COVID. So for me, when I refer to a rating, I'm just grounded in the USCF slash FIDE systems. Now, USCF does skew slightly lower, but it's it's a small enough difference where like, I feel like it can still be a guideline. I mean, often it's going to be like a hundred points. FIDE will be a hundred points higher or something like that. But with the Lee chess rapid ratings being, I don't know, three to 500 points higher often than what a, um, an equal USCF slash FIDE rating would be. It can get confusing. I think blitz ratings for, especially at the higher level, they're like they track a little more closely, although Blitz, of course, being a different game um, makes it more confusing. But anyway, for newer players, I know that discussing the ratings, even that can be confusing. But like like Neil said, um, you know, no one no one knows anything anyway. Like we're all just guessing. So basically, if these books pique your interest, um, if you're interested in the idea, then at least you'll have an idea of what books to go to. And if you're more of a video based learner, um, then obviously you might want to turn off this podcast at some point. Um, but hopefully you'll still enjoy the conversation and maybe pick up a few snippets. Now, last thing before we start breaking down the books, Neil, is I know someone on Twitter also asked you, like, why did you select these six books? Yeah, this was a combination of uh, books that I owned that were recommended years ago and uh, ones I've heard grandmasters recommend. And also, like, I wasn't initially going to do pawn structure chess but the twitter community was like shaming me and saying you can't you can't do a pawn championship book without including pawn structure uh chess by soltis so i added that as a sixth book uh but yeah i think this is a good enough list Uh, i'm i know there are other pawn books but i mean i think that we're covering the big bases with with these six books i also did want to say real quick before we uh go to break that i I personally recommend if you're going to read a pawn book and we'll tell you which one, if you only want to read one pawn book, which one to read is I would read a cover to cover. Uh, most of the openings covered in these uh, pawn books, I don't play, but I still got tremendous value by learning about pawn structures. So if you use it just as a reference guide, you might only read 10 out of a hundred pages. And so I, I think you're, you're, missing out if if you just use it as a reference guide but what's your view on that ben yeah i'm a little more agnostic but one another thing you mentioned to me in our pre-game chat neil is just sort of the value of seeing the games and i know that you kind of one of the ways that you track your your study habits is just by the the number of games that you go through and obviously if you go through the whole book like just seeing these ideas in action um can you know it can't hurt so to me, it's like um, if you want to study your own openings first, if you want to study the structures of your own openings first, I won't be mad at you. Um, but I do think um, in a perfect world, certainly uh, it's good to read these whole books. Yeah, I, I took out a board and I played through all, I think it's like 529, 530 games across all six books. And the if you ignored all the words and you just played the games, you would get tremendous value out of these books because playing through annotated master games is incredibly useful. So I, I second that. 
Okay. So I think we're about ready for a break and then we'll get into each of the books. Now, I know we haven't said like which book is for which reading yet. We'll be doing that as we get to the books. Another thing I'll mention is obviously I always do detailed show notes that you can check out. You know, sometimes they run on forever if you're actually looking in the podcast feed, but you can also just look at the perpetualchesspod.com webpage for the show notes. And, you know, if you only want to hear about the books that might be catered to your level or whatever, like I'll put what level each book is appropriate for in the show notes. And then, you know, this is going to be a long podcast. we got a lot to discuss. So if you, if you need to skip around, we won't be too mad at you. Um, so with that note out of the way, let's take a break and hear from our sponsors. And then we will dig into the first of six books. Perpetual Chess is proud to be brought to you in part by Chessable.com. Chessable, of course, is known for its proprietary move trainer technology, which utilizes space repetition to quiz you and make sure that you remember whatever tactical patterns or opening sequences that you're working on. They have a huge catalog of great books from top flight authors, both for purchase. And if you check for their short and sweet courses, you can find tons of free content. Speaking of free content, Chessable, of course, has also recently launched an adult improvement focused chess podcast called How to Chess with yours truly hosting it. Check for it on Chessable's YouTube channel, and you can also subscribe on the podcast platforms. Perpetual Chess is brought to you in part by ChessMood.com. ChessMood is a subscription video service by a team of GMs headed by Grandmaster Avchek Gregorian, who you can hear on episode 192 of Perpetual Chess. They offer a comprehensive video library featuring an opening repertoire for both colors, as well as courses on middle game and end game mastery. They also have great free content. Avtech has an insightful blog, and they have a YouTube channel featuring daily lessons with a Grandmaster. So all the links you need if you want to find out more are in the show description or just go to chessmood.com and have a look around if you're interested. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape... You can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. And we are back. And the first book we're going to discuss is probably, I would say, the most famous, although it's one of these kind of relics, uh, as we'll be discussing. Um, it may, may not be, uh, I mean, it's, its place in chess history is secure, but it's not our highest recommendation to read right now, we could say. So Pawn Power in Chess by Hans Kamak, uh, originally published in 1959 by Dover Books, um, 322 pages when it's in print. It features over 180 games. Uh, Hans Kamak was a well-known writer, and he, for a period he served as a world champion Alexander Alyekin's second he was born in Austria, spent many years in the Netherlands, eventually emigrated to the United States, where he was an, an arbiter, a writer, and the president of the Manhattan Chess Club. Um, Pawn Power was kind of one of these canonical books because it was written so early when there were not as many chess books. But I think Neil and I share the opinion that it hasn't aged well. Um, it's, it's a heavy read. Um, and unless you're a book collector, my personal opinion is it's not, uh, not super accessible. Now I know some, I have heard some strong players recommend it, but I don't think we're, uh, alone in, in that opinion. Um, a few things to note, uh, the book is 
only available in paperback and Kindle. I don't believe there are any ebooks. By ebooks, I mean apps like Forward Chess or the new WinChess app where you can actually play through the moves and see the pieces move uh, as opposed to just seeing the static diagram. So I don't believe that there are any ebooks. And we did say we would give rating ranges, rating guidelines. Um, but my personal recommendation is just not to read this book, no, no matter your rating. Um, and Neil, perhaps you can share a few of your thoughts, and I think that will elucidate why I feel that way. Yeah, this is by far the worst of the six books. It's not even close. And the f- part of why I say that is the first 42 pages are purely definitions, silly definitions. And I think you're going to talk about some examples, but just skip it. This book has been rewritten by modern writers in a much better way in every sense of the word. So just that's all I'm going to say. Skip this book. Yeah, I agree. And I will say I I had mentioned Chess Structures is the only book I've read in full, but I may have told the story on the podcast before. Of course, I'm longtime friends with uh, Greg and Jennifer Shahadi. And shout out to Senior Master, Fide Master Mike Shahadi who used to do some lessons with Greg and I. And, you know, back in the Stone Ages in uh, 1989 or whatever it was, there weren't that many chess books. So I remember a few lessons where he was going through uh, this book. And it was just this like off the wall vocabulary, uh, Luco Pina and Malin Pina, duo, lever, head pawn, head duo, hanging duo, passer duo, buffer duo. Like he just invented his his enti- an entirely new vocabulary to describe different pawn configurations and they don't roll off the tongue they make they make the reading experience a lot less fun um and again the language is heavy i'll just read and i believe this was translated um from german so maybe that contributes to it but honestly i i doubt like it would take it it would have to be rebuilt from the ground up (laughs) honestly i think for it to be significantly more readable but just give you one sentence uh, and this is one that was like one of the most highlighted ones on kindle so i don't know if people highlighted it because they found it incisive or because like they didn't know what the hell he was talking about because that's a little bit more my perspective but he says the lengthening of the rear span is often favorable in as much as the expansion of the territory behind the pawn increases the freedom of the pieces by the same token, the shortening of the front span limits the freedom of the pieces. So I didn't, you know, a lot of language like that, some of it even more esoteric than that. So it's just, you know, chess should be fun. And it's, and Neil mentioned when we were talking offline, there's no glossary, despite like all these highfalutin terms that he invented. So I don't mean to like crap on the guy. He's a chess legend, achieve way more than, than I ever could dream of. You know, and his book was revolutionary for its time in in 1959. But you know, not all not all historically significant things like are enjoyable to be read. You know, 62 years later. So I don't think it's like um, it doesn't sully the contribution that he made in chess history. But uh, if you're looking to improve your chess in 2021, I don't think it's the best choice. Should we go to the next one, Neil? Yes. Okay. So yeah, on to a brighter topic, um, Pawn Structure Chess by Grandmaster Andy Soltis. And this one is also an older book, um, originally published in 1976. Um, Andy Soltis, by the way, hopefully needs no introduction. Those of you who heard um, uh, FM Nate Solon and I recap Zurich 1953, Andy was nice enough to make a cameo on that and share some of his vast knowledge of uh, chess history He's a prolific and acclaimed author and columnist. He's, again, been on the show a few times. Um, 
I think chess structures or pawn structure chess is one of his more popular books. Um, again, it was pretty original at the time it was published. It's been updated many times. It's still in print from Batsford Publishing. They also have an ebook, um, only eight bucks on Kindle. Um, so sorry, not an ebook. I need to differentiate. Um, eight bucks for the Kindle book, the you know Kindle rendering of the book, but there's no forward chess or, or anything like that as far as I know. As for rating range, I would say something like 1,500 to 2,200 could read this. And, you know, shout out to Andy. I have a ton of respect for, for his overall canon, but I would give this book like a B or something. It's solid, but there are books that we like better. Uh, Neil, what would you like to add about this? Yeah, I think this is a very solid book, and I'm glad that I read it, mostly because it has almost more games than the rest of the books combined at 226 complete games and then tons of extra fragments. I'm sure there's over 300 if you include the fragments. And that practical ability to see pawns in play is is just gold. Uh, having said that, uh, while the annotations are excellent, they are very sparse. I would recommend the newer version that has the algebraic uh, version of the of the chess moves because the algebraic version actually has more uh, puzzle pe like positions. It shows you more what's going on in the original version, which is what I read. It's not only descriptive notation, but all the um, games at the end of the chapters, the supplementary games, have zero pictures. And so, if you're trying to follow a a you know game that's seventy moves long and there's not one uh, picture along the way. That was tough for me. So I definitely would get the newer version with algebraic. Uh, I do think if you're, if you're focused on playing through games, it's a very good book, but I, I will show you more as we go through these, why the newer ones are actually better versions of this one. Yeah, and actually, in, in further thinking, I just want to clarify, I said I'd give the book a B, but I only read the first like chapter or two and then sort of just looked at the structure of the book. So maybe I shouldn't be giving it a grade. It's mainly from like talking about Neil and looking at the layout and the accessibility of the book that I formed this impression. But still, it's a little presumptive of me to wholly judge anything other than the books I've actually read. But I can see just, you know, by the quality of Andy's writing and again, the incredible wealth of material that for $8 on Kindle, if you're inspired, um, it's certainly, you know, it's, it seems worth it. You're, you're not going to read a book like this and not learn anything. Um, but having said that, we, we have other books that we're probably going to be um, a bit even more effusive about. So without further ado, let's get to the next one. Um, the next one is uh so one of the sam shanklin books so which which sam shanklin book should we tackle next neil i put at number three going from worst to best i put small steps two uh because primarily because of the applicability small steps two has only one topic which is past pawns and you are not going to get a past pawn in you're not even going to get to the end game in every game and you're definitely not going to have a past pawn in every game so it is a great book on a very narrow topic so i couldn't rate it higher than third okay yeah and just to clarify small steps two is sort of like the sequel to right. a book we're going to talk about later sam shanklin's uh small steps to giant improvement 
which is the first one and is more generally about pawn play. And this one is, as Neil says, specifically about past pawns. Now, I've only read the first chapters of these Shanklin books, but just want to say a few things about Sam Shanklin um, because I mean, the guy's a beast. It's amazing. Um, so obviously, Super GM, been rated over 2,700. I think he's back over 2,700. Uh, the U.S. champion, um, prolific chessable author somehow, too. And he's kind of like the, uh, you know, he's like a, an exemplar of sort of the adult improvement um, ethic. I mean, he's he had a big breakthrough to win the U S championship. He was not, he was far from the top seed in that. And then he had a tough year and I believe it was 2019. He's talked about in interviews, just dealt with physical and mental health and romantic issues. And the list goes on. And now he's back in 2021 and just like crushing everyone. He had over a 2,900 performance rating to win the Prague masters, a huge showing in the world cup. So, I mean, it's just amazing to see someone, I believe he's in his late 20s, just keep pushing the boundaries. And of course, we had uh, his friend and trainer, GM Jakob Agard, on the show, uh, I believe a, a year, year and a half to two years ago. And he kept saying, watch out for Sam Shanklin. So it's cool to see that come to fruition. Um, another thing I like about Sam, um, he uh, recently did an interview in the latest New in Chess magazine, and he talked about the reason he writes these books is um, obviously, you know, he's, his books tend to sell well because he's a great writer and a high-profile chess player. Um, but he says when he wants to dig into a topic, he decides I might as well write a book because I'm going to be studying this anyway, and that will help me sort of clarify my thoughts. So I love the whole perspective from him. Um, a few things to know about the small steps two and small steps. This applies to both books. Um, a cool thing, since they're modern books, you can get them everywhere. They're available on Chessable. You can get them on Forward Chess. Of course, Quality Chess has beautiful uh, paper editions and Quality Chess also always has a free sample on their website. So if you're, you're thinking about the book, um, you can check out an excerpt, again, link to the show description. Um, if you want to see it, uh, this one was published in 2019. Uh, one fair warning I want to give, and again, I only read the first chapter of this, but both uh, from what I read and anecdotally and the fact that Sam's a 2700 player, all these facts might lead you to conclude that this is uh, uh, probably the most advanced book that we'll be discussing, Small Steps 2. So if you're related, if you're rated below 1800, um, if you're rated, I don't know what I just said. Um, I think uh, I think a lot of the material you might find challenging, but uh, but I mean, his writing is a joy to read. Um, anything else to, to add on this one, Neil? Yeah, I I really enjoyed it. I, this was my sixth book, and I'm glad this was my sixth book because it is by far the hardest. It, I think that Sam's writing for IMs and GMs, like he's a super GM. Uh, he's writing for kind of title players for sure now i i could follow it and it helped that i read five other uh, pawn books before this but it's definitely you know i talked about the applicability uh, factor which is this is just for past pawns and then if we think about accessibility you know unless you're a title player you're going to maybe struggle a little bit i wouldn't even attempt the uh, the puzzles there are puzzles at the end of every chapter and they're the kind that like He's showing where GMs made mistakes. So if you're not a GM, you, you might as well just skip the the puzzles. It'll just depress you. But the writing is excellent. His principles are excellent. And later when we talk about what order to read these in, I still think there's some value you can you can glean at a lower player rating. 
but um, this is a book that you will want to read again and again as you get better at chess. Yeah, and in in checking out the book, Neil, I, I do agree with you that like it almost, you know, you just ended up reading it and including it in these six books, but it's um the the subject matter I'd say is significantly different with it all being about past pawns and it being advanced. So um, a pleasure to talk about it, but uh, you know, compared to to people who are specifically looking for like positional elements, um, this you know, despite it being a, a, a very good book, I think uh, one might want to read it last. And Neil will talk later about kind of ideal order to read these in if you were going to be as crazy as Neil Bruce, as dedicated as Neil Bruce, and read all these books. But uh, before we get to book number four, we're going to take another break and hear from our sponsors. Perpetual Chess is brought to you in part by aimchess.com. If you haven't checked out aimchess.com by now, what are you waiting for? What aimchess does is it collects your games from the major chess sites and then gives you actionable advice of how to improve your game. It might be to work on a specific opening or to get better at end games or improve your time management or whatever it may be. And then it gives you related puzzles to help you improve that specific skill. They are constantly improving the site. They recently added blindfold tactics, time management training, common checkmate patterns. So there's so much to do there. If you decide to subscribe, be sure to use the promo code PERPETUAL30. Details are in the show notes for aimchess.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And we are back and we are ready to reveal the fourth book in Neil Bruce's power rankings. I know you guys are on the edge of your seats as you listen. Neil, let's hear it. What's book number four? Coming in at number four is Small Steps One by Shanklin. It is the sec- the first of the two Shanklin books. It's a little more accessible. It's not quite written as um, hard to understand the puzzles aren't quite as hard and it's it's more uh it's a broader topic which is individual pawn play uh when might a pawn be too far advanced when not when might you try to encourage an opponent's pawns to move forward when might you want an opponent's pawns to capture so it it's really both of these books are great complements to the other four which are more around chess structures but I, I really enjoyed this book. I can't make it in the you know the top two because it is uh, it it's a more advanced book, and it, it's not really the foundational books that you want to read. It's really like a second or third book, in my opinion. Yeah, and I'll, I'll get to a few more thoughts on the book. Again, I have to cop to it. I haven't read the whole thing. And this book, more than any of the others, I feel like that's a crime. It gets recommended on the show so many times. Um, it's been acclaimed by friends of the pod, FM Karsten Hansen and John Hartman, two of the premier 
um, and most premier book reviewers and most voracious readers, GM Matthew Sadler as well. So it's really uh, an indictment of me that I haven't read the whole thing, but I did read the first, I, I read the first two chapters actually because I was enjoying it so much. Um, a few other just sort of general notes published in 2018. Um, as with his other book, it's available all over the place, Chessable, Forward Chess, um, Quality Chess website excerpt there. Um, and Neil, you've been sharing a few quotes from the book. So even though I haven't read the whole thing, you also shared a few uh, amusing quotes. Do you want to uh, share for the listeners a bit about Sam's writing style? Well, yeah, in both of the books, he makes fun of himself. He makes fun of uh, this, his own publisher. He uh, t- One thing I love about the books in both of them is he talks about how he disagrees with the engine analysis. Uh, and so I loved his annotations are just as good as the top two books. It's just that the books are, are less accessible. You have to be fairly high rated to, to get the benefit and, and they're on a narrower topic. So I think that if you're going to, if you're going to read several books, I would include these, but if you're not, I would pass. Yeah. And Sam, of course, he's kind of well-known in interviews for being like an extremely straight shooter, brutally honest. And that comes across in in the book as well. And in terms of rating guideline, um, again, I'm, you know, Neil might be more qualified to discuss it since I didn't read the whole thing. But my impression is something in the neighborhood of 1700 USCF to 2500 USCF. And it might be challenging for a 1700 player, I would say. Um, yeah, what I, do think, you think, Neil? I think those are spot on. So I'm probably high 1700s ish, uh, right now. And I definitely, but I I'd read four other books first, you know, like if those, if these two were my first pawn books, I would have struggled. And so I think that it's possible. Uh, I, I will talk about it later, but like, I, I think that these books are more geared towards title players. So if you're a title player, and you've read our t- top two books, then these are good follows. But I wouldn't recommend this book uh, for anyone who's below 1700. Okay, good stuff. And bringing it forward to the number two book, one somehow, Neil, you know, every week I'm asking people for book recommendations. I feel like I must have heard of every chess book, even if, uh, you know, I've only read, you know, uh, whatever, a percentage of them, but I feel like I must have heard of them all. And then somehow I had not heard of this one. And the number two book is Neil. The, the second best book of the six is the power of pawns by Hickel. Yeah. I believe it's Jorg Hickel. He is a German national champion, grandmaster and trainer in his prime. He was one of Germany's top players. He's played on four Olympiad teams. Um, the book was originally published in German in 2008 it was translated and published in English by New In Chess in 2016. It's available in Kindle. It's available in paperback. New In Chess also has a great ebook reader, uh, similar to what Forward Chess offers, again, where you can uh, read the prose and then press the move and it plays the move on the adjacent screen. So, very pleasant way to read a chess book on an app. Um, yeah, free sample of the book on the New In Chess website. Um, Hickel's stated goal in the book is to help club players with structures and evaluations of positions. He talks about how, as when he made the transition to being a trainer, he just noticed kind of the exact feeling that, that Neil described earlier, where he just felt like he didn't know what to do. So he, he wrote this book with the, the goal of 
helping out uh, these people. And I read the first two chapters and I found them quite enjoyable. Um, it's one of these books that has a lot of the classics in it. So, you know, people who are like really well read in chess literature, some of it, some of the positions in it might be familiar, but he does an ama- an excellent job tying everything together. And it's a good primer, I would say. I, the rating range in from the the part that I read and in talking with Neil, uh, 14 to 1900, something like that. What do you think, Neil? Yeah, I mean, it, it could be accessible for people even slightly below that. I, I'll tell you, I wish this was the first book I read. It is by far the most accessible in the and uh, incredibly applicable because it's about the core of chess structures, and that's that's what you want to get in your first pawn book. I I found this to be a joy to read. It really reminded me of simple chess. It was really, it was short. It was to the point. It had great examples. He had great annotations in the game examples he gave. Uh, there are 64 games, complete games, I believe, in this book. So a good number of games to go with it. It's really a well-balanced, short book, great introduction, highly recommend it. Anyone who's looking for their one book uh, under 2,000, read this book. You will get better at pawn play. You will be better than most people who aren't going to bother to read a pawn book. Great book. Yeah, and uh, despite the fact that it was translated, it's it's pretty readable. So definitely uh, no quibbles from from what I read, and uh, yeah, impressive work. Um, so that brings us to number one. Now, you you critical thinkers out there who are really listening intently might have already figured out by process of elimination uh, what the winner of the much anticipated uh, Neil Bruce Pawn book contest is neil let's have it and the winner the clear winner of the pawn strategy book championship is chess structures a grandmaster guide by mauricio flores rios yeah absolutely legendary book i mean i I feel like it comes up like nearly every week on this podcast um few sort of, again, general notes. And this one I read in full because I interviewed Mauricio, um, episode 109 of Perpetual Chess. Um, really impressive guy. Uh, he's got like an advanced degree in st- statistics, uh, Chilean born, um, but now I believe lives in Minnesota. Um, it's a universally, universally acclaimed book. Um, and again, it can be returned to many times, uh, published by quality chess. So again, free excerpt on the website available from chessable. I think it's pretty popular there. You can also get it on forward chess published in 2015. It's over 400 pages with 140 games and fragments. So it's like a shockingly ambitious work. I mean, it's just so, um, you know, it just covers so much and so thoroughly. He goes through the structures of different, um, you know, of different openings and then gives you the typical plans for white, the typical plans for black. Uh, it's So this is really the one I was thinking of when we were talking earlier about when Neil had asked me about whether you should read a book in full. Like, yes, you should read a book in full. But even if you're so I would say the ideal rating range um, is something like seventeen hundred. Um, that's probably the lower bound, but if you're, if you like a particular opening, whether it be the Queen's Gambit declined or the open Sicilian, I think you would definitely benefit from picking up the book and going through the typical plans in those, um, openings. 
Um, so, I mean, I could go on about this book forever. So, Neil, let, let's get to, to your comments. Yeah, it's obvious because Mauricio references the Soltis book so many times during his book that he was trying to build kind of the next generation of Pond Structure's book. And I think he totally hit a home run with this. I know you were telling me that, that Kostya and you were, were talking about this book and he called it candy. I would call it a steak. So <laughs> I think the, you know, the Power of Pawns by Hickel is a great appetizer. And Chess Structure as a Grandmaster Guide is the main course. It is an awesome book. It is accessible. It's incredibly applicable. It's definitely deeper. And so, it, you know, we'll talk about this in a minute. But, like, I, I wouldn't recommend this as your first book if you're, you're uh, lower rated. But it's a great book. And if I had to pick only one, if I needed a Desert Island book of these six, I would absolutely pick Chess Structures because on a Desert Island, I have lots of time to work on my chess. Right. And so this is almost a perfect pawn uh pawn book i i loved it uh it was one of the earlier ones i read and it's really held up well compared to the others at its clarity its choice of games it's got some very recent games i mean it's just it's hard if you compare soltis was 76 you compare that with a book that just came out a few years ago it's it's the newer books are almost always going to be better and his writing style i believe this was translated but it doesn't show it's it's so marvelously written uh it's so compelling uh, i highly recommend this book i think i think it's it's the best palm book ever written yeah i just echo what you said um, yeah, I'm not sure if it was translated because, uh, you know, when I talked to him, his English is quite impressive. He went to university here in the U.S., so it, it could it could have been either way. Um, let's read a quote from friend of the pod, John Hartman, just to see if he's listening. Um, so John, of course, uh, you know, he's he no longer writes as many book reviews as he used to for Chess Life now that he's the editor. But his archive is still available. And he did a good job just sort of explaining if anyone's saying, OK, you guys are saying this book is great. But what is it exactly? Um, he says, uh, this is a quote from John. We can we can break down the typical pawn structures and chess structures, a grandmaster guide down in a few ways. There are five main families in quotes, for instance, those that come from D4 and D5, open Sicilians, Benonis, Kings Indians and the French. Each of those five families is brokered down further into 21 categories with seven additional categories crammed into a catch-all section. With each category, the defining pawn structure is named, and typical plans and ideas are discussed, model games are given, and summaries provided. A set of exercises and solutions rounds things out. So yeah, it's really just a, an incredibly well-thought-out book. When I interviewed uh, a, a while ago, probably two years ago, adult improver J.J. Lang, um, I believe his, one of his chess improvement recommendations was um, read chess structures and then when you're finished, read it again. And I think I think it's pretty good advice. I mean, the book is that good. And there's so much uh, meat in there, as Neil says, uh, that that, you know, you're just scratching the surface if you read it once. Yeah, absolutely. So let's move on to thinking about the recommended reading order. If I had to do this again, I would read these in a different order. And we're going to do the reading order based on rating. And all of these ratings we've been giving are USCF, which are pretty close to FIDE, just to give everyone internationally a, a, a sense. So my recommendation is if you're under 2,000, so I'll do an under 2,000, over 2,000. If you're under 2,000, I would start 
with The Power of Pawns by Hickel. And if you only do one book, do that book. I would, if you've got two books in you, I would do The Power of Pawns first, and then I would do Chess Structures by by Flores Rios. Mauricio's book is accessible, and especially with the grounding of The Power of Pawns, you will you'll get a ton out of chess structures. So those are my two recommendations in that order if you're under 2000. And if you're over 2000, I probably would skip the power of pawns. You're probably at a level where you don't need that setup. I would go straight to chess structures by uh by Mauricio and then I would suggest the two small step books by Shanklin. They're excellent books. The three of those books really give you full, well, well-rounded picture of chess structures, individual pawn play, and past pawns. Uh, my extra credit, if you're really into it, is to uh, to do uh, Pawn Structure Chess by Andy Soltis last, just because those 200-plus games are going to be kind of a capstone course, but not necessary. Read, read Chess Structures and the two small steps. If you're over 2,000, you're probably going to crush... Uh, your competitors in your pawn play. Excellent. Um, yeah. And and Neil, thank you for breaking it down in so many ways. I hope people feel a, a little less lost. Now, let me ask you, Neil, because I mean, I, I've mentioned before on the podcast, I feel um, a little bit like, uh, I, I don't know how to say this, but like chess books overall are probably declining in popularity, although maybe not because there's just so many amazing books coming out all the time. But obviously the amount of uh, instructional material available in video format is staggering. And there's so much quality stuff, whether it be Chessable's video courses or all the free stuff on YouTube or chess.com's library or w- whatever it may be. Um, so have you come across anything, Neil? Like you, st- I know you watch some, some chess Twitch and stuff like that, but have you come across anything online in the sort of video format that rivals this stuff and again with the chessable courses some of these even have videos available but just curious yeah i'm sure that the chessable comes close i i will say books are an incredible technology and the amount of content that you can get across in a book is in my mind unrivaled i mean think how many hours of video you'd have to uh watch to get through 226 master games I, I also think that it's important to not just read these books, but every single book, every single game, I got out a wooden set, I I made all the moves, I took my own annotations and compared them to the master annotations of the writer. You got to make this active learning. If you're just going to read or you're just going to watch a video, you're not going to get nearly enough from these books. They're too good to just be passive uh, learners. You got to be active in this stuff. Yeah. And as I mentioned before, that's why I tend to do my chess learning still in books or in, in like a chessable course that, that drills you and kind of slaps you when your mind starts to wander sort of thing, because yeah, otherwise I don't do as well with the video course. And I was just watching an interview. There was a Norwegian podcast where Magnus did the interview. Unfortunately, it's like two and a half hours. Amazing interview, very insightful. Uh, the the interviewer's name is Wolfgang. Um, the title is in uh, Norwegian, so unfortunately, I can't can't name the title. But I'll link to it in the show description. But anyway, he added captions to this interview, so you can watch it with English subtitles. Um, and Magnus was talking about how he felt like 
he was sort of the last of the book generation. Mm. And he thinks that that kind of contributed to his strength. Um, he thinks that the, the engines hadn't totally taken over when he was rising and learning by, you know, incessant online play um, and uh, videos hadn't taken over yet. And he, he, he actually mentioned he had like a limited amount of data that he could consume in a given week. Um, so he was obsessed with chess as you need to be to become world champion. But by necessity, because he had limited screen time, a lot of his learning came through books. So it's hard to get a, a better endorsement than that. And I bet Magnus has read a few of these books. He probably even suffered through pawn power at some point. Yeah, I'm sure he did. Um, so Neil, any, uh, closing remarks? I mean, obviously first and foremost, I just want to thank you just to, um, I don't know which, which project was more ambitious, Mauricio Flores Ruiz writing chess structures, or you reading <laughs> these six books, these 1900 pages and sharing what you learned, some of what you learned with the, our audience. It was a pleasure to do the show. It was a pleasure for the most part to uh, to read these six <laughs> books. Uh, one of them wasn't a pleasure, uh, but the rest of them were were very good. I would say uh, I think it's like a, it's like a hidden secret that you should study pawns. Like nobody told me to do this, and I'm so glad I did. There were four um, examples I gave in the beginning of the show of how I have seen pawn play show up in my games in just the short time I've been studying these books over the last six months. So do yourself a favor. Read at least one pawn book. You will win more games if you do so. And I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. All right. Excellent closing note. Thanks again to Neil. You are the uh, you are a patron saint of the uh, chess learning community. Follow him on Twitter. Is it at Neil Bruce? Neil? It's at Neil Bruce BC. At Neil Bruce BC. I think that's the best way to reach you, right, Neil? Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, very online, as am I, especially when it comes to Twitter. But uh, yeah, drop us a line and let us know. Hopefully, we didn't have any like major omissions. But um, you know, there's so many chess books that at least with these six books, hopefully, you guys got uh, some good, uh, good chess takeaways and some good direction about where to go next. Um, Neil, I'm putting you on the spot here. But last thing before we say goodbye. Are there any sort of uh, like if you wanted to give listeners a uh, actionable takeaway that they could have without a chessboard? Can you think of anything off the top of your head? And if you can't, we'll edit it out for for the um, about studying like something concrete you learned about. Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. So I would say that learning how pawns help and get in the way of your pieces is only possible by studying pawn uh, books. Uh, the interplay of pawns and pieces and when to sack a pawn and when to push a pawn forward is fundamental to chess strategy. And you need to read at least one pawn book to figure that out. Yeah. And of course, Sam Shanklin quotes the famous sort of dictum. Obviously, it's a bit of a cliche that pawns only move forward. Also true. Um, and uh, Hans Kamak says it in, in Pawn Power as well. But I mean, it's one of those like, you know, it's obvious, but 
it's important. I mean, you know, you see club players pushing pawns around their king sometimes uh, in a carefree fashion, and yeah, that that just anytime you move a pawn, it's a permanent change to the position. Again, I feel like I'm stating the obvious because these are in these sort of statements are in all these books, but that's why this stuff is so foundational. Um, so. Uh, w- on that note, Neil, we already said thank you and goodbye. So thanks for listening, everyone. I hope you all found this helpful and we will catch you all next time. So Neil, we had already said goodbye, but then we were talking about what you're going to do next. And I was realizing you should share this with the audience. So after this massive scope project, Neil, could you say just a few words about uh, what's next in the uh, the 10-year journey? Sure. So I'm halfway through my three years on strategy. I finished my group of intro to strategy books and my intermediate strategy books. Now I've done my, my pawn strategy books. So those are my theoretical topics. Now I'm going to get more concrete and I'm, I'm going through six, what I'm calling puzzle positional puzzle books, uh, which include uh, mastering chess strategy and uh, uh, what I've heard great things about, which is mastering positional sacrifices. I'm doing Silman's uh, reassess your chess workbook. A couple others, like uh, one I've already done that I know you've read and enjoyed. I've already made into flashcards as uh, practical chess exercises with 600 puzzles, about half of them being positional. So I'm going to spend six months on that. And then uh, next year, 2022, I'll spend a year going through master uh, games. Uh, so game collections like Alakine uh, and uh, My 60 Memorable Games and Zerg 50 three and new york uh 1924 yeah. or i think it is uh and so i'm gonna that's kind of my capstone year is to see it i'm also going to do uh judith polgar's all three oh, of her so new good. books i'm yeah. really excited about the, those and then um because you did you did a review with uh jen yeah with jen right, chadi yeah of uh the first one yeah and, and we talked about the others yeah i yeah, I'll do all three. And I'm also going to be spending my third year writing up my notes across all three years. It'll probably be a couple hundred pages of notes about all everything I've studied in the last three years to consolidate my, my understanding of strategy. So I'm really excited about the rest of this year around positional puzzles and then game collections. Amazing. And again, Neil, busy, successful career away from the board. Dad of, what is it, three kids, Neil? dad of three kids they don't not the habit grandmaster for nothing so the difference between him and many others is he'll actually do this stuff um the difference but i i'm one of the people that uh you could distinguish um from neil in that regard it's it's hard to follow through on plans like these but but neil does it so uh excited to you know see what you do and hopefully discuss it in the future neil and um just want to thank you again yeah, I, I'm, I had a great time. And if you want to talk about uh, positional puzzle books uh, sometime early next year or game collection books later in the year, I'm happy to do that. Thanks to everyone who helps make Perpetual Chess possible, most of all to my producer, Matthew Passy. I also would like to thank everyone who helped spread the word about the show. Did you guys know that there's still people who have not heard of the Perpetual Chess podcast? There's even chess players who have not heard of the Perpetual Chess podcast. So we need to fix that. And the ways to do that include writing positive reviews on podcast platforms or YouTube comments. 
telling friends, all that stuff makes a difference in helping spread the word about the show. But of course, I most of all want to thank people who provide financial support to the show. Without you all, Perpetual Chess would not be possible. So without further ado, I would like to give thanks to the following people and entities. Chessable.com, David Lazarus of LazmanChess.com, coach of Dave's Young Tigers on Lee Chess, Quality Chess Books, the Capital City Chess Club, the Abysmal Depths of Chess Blog, Adapta Interactive Web Designs and Services, Apprentice Twitch Channel, Anidi Deer, Austin Clough, Benjamin Porto, Bill Sigler, Kathy Carr, Chad Oliver, the Charlotte Chess Center, the Chess Central's Chess Blog, ChessMood.com, Chris Flanagan, Chris Lott, Dan O'Hanlon, Daniel Heath, Danny Davidson, David Mitchell, David Schreiber, I am Dimitri Schneider, I am Eric Rosen, Eric Tam, Farhan Thawar, Barasawaf, Gary Foreman, Glenn Downing, Greg Harfst, I am Greg Shahadi, Gregory Gullick, James Holyhead, James Kennedy, Jay Garrison, Jeff Martinson, Jeff Schaefer, Jeremy Nielsen, John Jernigan, John Rockefeller, John MacArthur, Kevin Forsythe, Kevin O'Callaghan, King Sell, The King's Crusher YouTube channel, Lucio Casada Silva, The Law Offices of Stuart Katz, Matthew Feeney, Michael Can, FM Michael Oblin, Mr. Mike Shahadi, The Famous Mr. Dodgy, The Nerd Nays Twitch channel, Grandmaster Peter Prohaska, Peter Sodi, Philip Flummins, The Playmore Chess Academy of the Hamden Chess Club, Reuven Fisher, Ross Crossland, Seattle Chess Club, Shane Unger, Stefan Kelty, Stephen Martinez, Sven Gearson, Thomas Stanix, Thomas Tachenko, Todd Bryant of StrongChess.com, Todd Kennedy, The Vintage Patsers, which is a Chess.com improver group, Wayne Beam, William Hogarth, and I also would like to thank Ace Viega, Adam Ralph of ChessEngland.com, Adrian Gutierrez, Al Hastings, Alan and Maggie Sue. Alex Pejas, Alexander Markovitz, Antonio Cancino, Antonio K. Leonfort, FM Andre Terakov, Dr. Andrew Perry, Angus McLeod, Barry Hessian, Bill Juniper, Bill Moran, Bill Trammell, Brad and Andy Rosen, Brett Howard, Lynn, Brian, Chase, Brian Mullis, Bruce Scott, Brian Tillis of Palm Beach Chess, Cameron Davis, Chad Hilton, Chesspats of Spain, Dr. Charles Snodgrass, Chris Kiefer, Chris Wayne Scott, Christopher Baumgartner, Christopher Shabri, Christopher Wood, I am Christoph Zalecki, a.k.a. Chess Explained, Coach Jay's Chess Academy, Costa Carras, Courtney Fry, Craig Mallon, Daniel Ginsberg, Daniel Naylor, Dave Saylor, David Blaskotschek, David Brown, David Hamblin, David Cramley, Dalen Shelton, Tennis Parrish, FM Donnie Ariel, Dwayne Edmonds, Ed Daly, Ed Mead, Edwin Rodriguez, Ethan Smith, Evan Rosenberg, Ewan Richardson, Ian Mason, Felipe Melo Padilla, Fox Valley Chess Club of Aurora, Illinois, Francis Letarte Lavoire, Dr. Frank Tortoris, Frank Zananis, Gary Andrews, Gary Lewis, Gautam Narula, Gene Stewart, George Harris, Giovanni Russo, Han Shute, Harish Srinivasan, Howard Bihan, Jacob Kovach, Jason Apollo, Jason Murray, Jacques Perry, James Aspinwall, James Benastio, James Muir, Jason Woolham, J. Deep Chakrabarty, Jeff Anderson, Jeffrey Martello, Yep Hoyland, Jerry Wells, Jesse Takumos, Jesse McNulty, Jim Ratliff, Joe Dasano, Joe Valdez, Joel Thomas Ramos, John McAdams, John Tully, Juan Almagar, Dr. John Fallon, John Fernandez, John Fontaine, John Hartman, John Jeffrey, John McMurtry, Jonathan Slater, John Quist, John Tully, Jose Rodriguez, Justin Gardner, WGM Jen Shahadi, Joel Rocky, John Thompson, Grandmaster Josh Friedel, I am Kare Christensen, WGM Katarina Nemsova, Kelly Palmer, Kevin Pryor, I am Kostya Kravutsky, 
Krishna Gopala Krishnan, Kyle McAvoy, Larry Cook, Larry Ryforth, Laura Boyovsky, Macaulay Peterson, Maria Amalyanovas, aka Photo Chess, Mark Shaves, Mark Fitzpatrick, Mark Miller, Mark Wilkins, Marco Bulatovich, Martin Knudsen, Martin Krug, Matthew Tedesco of SeattleChessMeetup.org, Matthias Plock, the Mechanics Institute Chess Club of San Francisco, Michael Allard, Michael Hudson, Mike Clem, Mitchell Fabian, Nate Gobel, Nate Solon, Neil Bruce, Negmat Malajanov, Nicholas Isabel, Olaf Mueller-Michaels, GM Pascal Charbonneau, Cassie Passanen, Paul Blaine, Bain, Paul Clarkson, Paul Sweeney, Paulo Santana, Peter Lux, Queenside Management Limited of Switzerland, Randall Temple, Ricky Grijalva, Richard Hallenbach, Richard Tucker, Robert Callahan, Robert Tichi, Robert Turner, Rory Coleman, Rory Yearwood, Ryan Berg, The Say Chess YouTube Channel and Publishing Empire, Scott McKinnon, Scott Rose, Sean Krause, Sebastian Finsterwalder, Sergey McCagan, Seth Ruzica, Sean Tracy, Silver Knights in Richmond, Stefan Roller, WGM Tatev Abrahamian, Thomas Brown, Tim Brennan of TacticsTime.com, Tim Seymour, Timothy Ha, FM Timothy Wall, Tobiah Rex, Tom Edsel, Tommy Farron, Tony Rotella, Tyron Price, Vishnu Srikumar, William Brock, William Peterson, FM Zhao Cheng of Chess1000.com, and Jivko Storyanov. Thanks to you all for the support, and we will catch you all next week. Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.